Friday edition of the call up. It is part two of our 40 man roster breakdown. All the big prospect decisions that had to be made over the last week. We're going to continue to break those down. We were talking trades in the last episode. We got really deep into the 40 man situation. And we, of course, as usual, had to split it up into two episodes. I'm RM Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And when the two of us get together, it usually takes a little bit longer to go through things, but we call that being thorough, and that has a more positive connotation. Whose fault is that? Your, yours or mine? When I'm by myself, I, it tends to to kind of go along quicker. So, yeah, okay. So maybe it's me. Maybe it's my problem. I'm yeah, sorry. we'll just mute you for the first half, and then we'll we'll go from there. Do you want me to leave the Zoom now? <laughs> No, so I actually am excited to talk to you because a lot of these guys, and specifically in this episode, we're going to be talking about some guys that you saw a lot of this year, especially when we get to the Pirates, who I think have arguably the most interesting bats that are going to be available on this, you know, in this 40 man situation or in the rule five, I should say, because typically the rule five draft, it's, it's, it's mostly relievers, right? It's older relievers that either were like injured or late bloomers or whatever, and just didn't quite fit, you know, into the roster situation for the 40 man with the, all the talent that we have this time around, there's a lot more interesting bats. Obviously it's unlikely that you're going to find the next Dan Ugla, uh, but there's still a good chance that you can find a pretty solid bat in this year's rule five. And we're going to break that down and discuss some of those guys, the way it shook out, actually, ironically, I would argue that most of the bats that I've been compiling are all going to be in this episode because we hit on a couple of them last episode, but most of them are on the teams that we're going to discuss here. And we've just been going alphabetically coincidentally. Yeah. I mean, some of the guys that that we talked about that, you know, are, are almost surefire things to get picked up at some point in the rule five draft. Um, we mentioned uh, Victor Vodnik with Atlanta. Like that's the guy that jumps out here. Right. And that, that's a reliever that slots into a big league bullpen right away. Uh, but I, I think we are going to get to some bats that yeah. may get their shot at Major League Baseball very, very early in 2023. And something that I, I was curious, and maybe this was something that everybody else knew, but I figure I'll just mention this is I didn't know if it was necessarily that the draft order would necessarily be impacted by the new draft order situation that we have for the actual MLB draft, which is a lottery system now, which the lottery will be done ahead of the scheduled rule five draft but has no bearing on the rule five draft order that still goes by winning percentage. So we do know what the rule five draft order is going to be. And I would argue that most of the teams drafting early, probably just going to go get one of those impact arms, but there's going to be some intriguing backs bats to be selected as we move forward here. So real quick, before we get to the Marlins, which is where we left off one guy that we, we mentioned in passing, but like didn't really get into too much. Ryan Noda, he might be one of the more interesting bats that could be selected as well. And Noda has absolutely raked at every single stop. He was traded from the Blue Jays over to the Dodgers. And one of those low key trades, I don't know if was, I think it was the Ross Stripling deal. Um, but whatever, they've done a lot of low key trades together. One of those he was sent over. I'm pretty sure it was Stripling. And Noda is is just one of those guys that mashes at every stop and we kind of just don't pay attention to it. I'm shocked that he wasn't in pipelines top 30 for the Dodgers, but at the same time, I think it's more of a testament to the Dodgers system. Noda, you have the numbers in front of you and it's a guy we've talked about. He he floors me uh, in regards to how good the numbers are and how 
little people really or how few people really take him seriously. And I get it because there's whiff and there's other aspects that, and questions that come with it. But this guy can play multiple positions, which helps a little bit when you're drafting somebody in the rule five. Right. He was segue more into that first base role and triple, but it has played plenty of the corners can move better than you think for a big guy. And it's hard to deny the power and on base combination that we've seen from him now for multiple years at the upper levels and just consistently through his minor league career. This dude's hilarious. Like the, the way the Dodgers have progressed him is objectively funny. The Blue Jays and the Dodgers, the way they have progressed him is just objectively funny. He was drafted by Toronto, spent the, his his post-college year. He was drafted in 2017 out of Cincinnati. Um, 2017, he plays 66 games in the Appy League. So the entirety of that first pro season came in the Appy League in rookie ball. The entirety of his first full pro season came in low A. The entirety of his second full pro season came in high A. The entirety of 2021 after the COVID shutdown came in double. The entirety of 2022 came in triple. So this guy is literally moving station to station within the minor leagues, and he's hit at every Every stop. stop. So Noda in five minor league seasons so far, slashing 264, 407, 486. That's an 894 OPS. This guy in Oklahoma City this year, 135 games, 23 doubles, 25 pumps, 90 driven in, hit 259 with a 396 OBP and 870 OPS. And oh, by the way, he was 20 for 24 in the stolen base. That's what I'm saying. So like, I don't know how good of an outfielder he is. You know, in either corner, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've you know broken he down is, the tape. He's I a will. first baseman, emergency corner outfielder, which is which is great, right? Like even the fact that you can throw him out there and he doesn't stumble over himself or like I mean, like the Marlins threw Jorge Alfaro in the outfield. Ryan Noda will be significantly better than that, right? So the fact that he can get by in the outfield, can play first base, and yeah, you talk about the hitter friendly environments that that maybe he's hidden through through each level. Sure. But this guy hits the ball just really hard. He's done it everywhere. He's stopped basically everywhere he's gone. And when you hit the ball 110 plus miles an hour, hit a home run 471 feet last year, which was 110 off the bat. Like I know that the, the hitter friendly environment will bump that a little bit, but that's a home run anywhere at any stadium in any environment when you hit a ball that hard. And Noda did that plenty last year. There's going to be whiff, but at 77% zone contact with the impact that he has and the minuscule chase rates. I mean, this guy walks at a 16% clip. This is one of my favorite, one of my favorite picks for the rule five draft offensively him and some of the pirates guys. We're going to talk to a Mets guy as well. But Noda is right up there, and I expect him to be selected in, in this Rule 5. I, I would be really shocked if he wasn't. Um, if he's not, what do you think he does? you think he just repeats AAA this year? Like That's the thing about the Dodgers. There's no spot for Ryan Noda, and he's great. Exactly. Like, he's an 870 OPS guy, and there's no spot for him. No, I, I think he they stash him in triple like they did with a couple other guys last year. And then ultimately, you know, they – either call him up in an emergency, then I don't know how many options he has left. Sometimes you got to send him back down. He could decline the option and then whatever. So I, I don't think he's gotten a chance to debut. So he's obviously not, he's going to have all of his options available. Yeah. What do you think his trade value is like? I, like another, another fine piece. I think we'd find out after the rule five, or if there's a team that doesn't want to risk it and really likes him, 
I think, you know, you could be one of those situations where you're swapping a more capped ceiling triple A guy for a pretty solid, solid lotto ticket, you know, in the lower levels. We just kind of saw a similar trade with the Marlins and the Mets right now, right? Where they send Eliezer Hernandez and Jeff Brigham for Franklin Sanchez, who is a lower level guy, just turned 22, throws fuel 100 miles an hour has way more upside than the two guys going to the Mets but the two guys going to the Mets can help them this year at least even can, can they can they help them Brigham, if he's healthy can be a middle reliever and Eliezer has shown flashes like he could they could minimally help them this year it's depth um I think that's kind of what we could see like a swap for a higher ceiling guy further away um but I think there is some trade value I mean I'm interested to see you know how that goes uh yeah. but also one other guy too from the Dodgers before we move on Devin Mann uh, yeah. Devin Mann, 25 years old. He's a guy that can play multiple positions as well. Have you seen much of Devin Mann in person? Oh, the Louisville Cardinal Devin Mann? Yeah, the Louisville Cardinal Devin Mann. Shout out Devin Mann, man. He was he was slick at, at Louisville. I, for the most part, have stopped following Devin Mann. <laughs> uh, I know that he is dating a good friend of mine's sister. Oh, nice. So uh, I can... If, if you need me to go dig up some makeup questions, I, I can absolutely go <laughs> dig up some makeup things. Um, but if, if they are still together, I assume a decent dude, because I really like my buddy who uh, whose sister is dating Devin Mann. So um, it, my understanding is like he has a little bit of thump um, and he is he's almost cut from like that Gavin Lux cloth. He's like a poor man's luck. Yeah. Which, again, this is another guy that might even be more enticing to teams than Noda because he played literally every position last year, right? He played right field. He played left field. He even slid in a couple innings at shortstop between double and triple. He played third base. He played second base. He played first base. So he plays all over. He's, he's a good athlete. He hits the ball pretty hard. He had 16 home runs between double and triple and overall produced a, a pretty good slash line between the both both of those levels. Strikeouts were kept in check. He walks a lot. I, I I could see man being another very popular candidate among fans that are looking and you know looking for somebody for their team to pick up between double and triple A last year, 264, 380, 464 slash line, 14% walk rate, 19% K rate, a 117 WRC plus. You could pick this guy up, throw him straight into your your big league roster, right? And even if he's not totally ready. He seems like a pretty solid utility guy for you if if he can hit even a little bit. And I think he can. Yeah, I, I guess the big question is in such a loaded rule five draft, how are teams going to operate here? Because I, like, I don't think Devin Mann is one of the first hitters off the board here. So so do you feel like, you know, there's a guy on your 40 man roster that you have more confidence in than Devin Mann or, or do you want to give him an, an opportunity? Same that's, conversation that's a question. And especially because, you know, you can take a Victor Vodnik and you feel pretty good that you can plug him in. Like, feel great to, about it. To the yeah. sixth or seventh inning, like right away. <laughs> yeah. And he could be pretty solid right away. But I look at some other teams. This this might be an intriguing option for them. Um, one other quick thing before we head over to the Marlins. We saw an interesting trade. We saw Kyle Lewis, the uh, Mickey Mouse rookie of the year in 2020 uh, with the Seattle Mariners, swapped for Cooper Hummel, the on-base wizard. From the Diamondbacks. So real quick, before we get into the individual players, I think the trade makes a lot of sense for both sides. I think, you know, you look at what the situation is for the Mariners. They're they're really trying to trim the fat and focus in on on guys that are going to help them for sure next year. And Lewis, between a little bit of the inconsistency at the plate and then also the injuries, 
They have Jared Kelnick. I think they only had the bandwidth for one project as they're trying to compete, right? <laughs> you don't want two projects in the outfield as you're trying to compete. And they need a more defensively viable outfielder at this point, which is a shame because Kyle Lewis was playing center field. But I think at this point, you know, it's it's DH uh, and, and right field when you need him to. Uh, when you look at Cooper Hummel, the Diamondbacks didn't need him because he's another catcher outfielder. How the hell do they have two of those guys? Obviously not on the level of Dalton Varsho and, and older, going to be 28 years old, not too far from now. But he's one of those really unique athletes where he can move. He can hit the ball pretty hard. He's got a rocket for an arm, as you pointed out before we recorded. And he can play good, good outfield. He can still catch when you need him to. He caught at the big league level last year. And he gets on base with the best of them. Trade seems to make sense for both sides because, you know, Kyle Lewis, if he can bounce back, could be a solid DH option for them. But if I'm going to bet on it, I think the Mariners end up getting more value out of this deal. And I might be in the minority on that one. No, I mean, sign me up for a switch hitter, man. The Mariners, I'm just looking at the switch hitters here. And, you know, they've got one in Cal Raleigh. Um, They've got one in Abraham Toro. And I think they've got one more, Sam Haggerty. Um, so, you know, here you are like adding another bat to the fold. that can play multiple positions. Obviously Cal Raleigh is your guy behind the plate moving forward. Luis Torrens caught a lot last year. Could Hummel catch a little bit in place of Torrens? Yes. Could Hummel also dispel Jared Kelnick if that fails again? Yeah. And Taylor Trammell doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy that gets it done. You know what I mean? Like there are a lot of options here. Get Teoscar Hernandez off of his feet and right. Throw Cooper Hummel in right. Let Teoscar DH when Gino Suarez is playing third. I, I think what Jerry DePoto is doing right now is a contingency plan. If they don't land the big fish, it's short because <laughs> then it becomes who can play where any given day. Um, saw JP Morosi um, put out the idea that, the, the Mariners were inquiring about Colton Wong. I love that because you've got Crawford at short, Wong at second, and then you can mix and match pretty much everywhere else. This is just another piece in a Hummel for Scott Service to mix and match on any given day. Yeah, and especially when, you know, I don't know what their plans are with Torrens and, and what they're going to do there, but, you know, if, if, if a catcher goes down or if you go deep into a ball game and, and it just allows you to mix and match so much more. And and that's what I really like with, with this pickup. Switch hitter gets on base, plays multiple positions for Lewis. He's going to get to hit at altitude and hitter friendly environments uh, will be asked to do less, especially on the defensive side. And it seems like a good opportunity for both guys to get a change of scenery and, and more opportunity in different ways. Dude, think about it. I mean, we talked about what the Diamondbacks are going to look like in three, four years, and it's three center fielders lining the outfield, right? It was yeah. it was Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas, and um, who am I missing? Drew Jones. When, when he does inevitably get up. And that's not um, even factoring in McCarthy now, who looks like a, a very, very well-rounded outfielder as well. It's not factoring in McCarthy. It's also not factoring in Dalton Varsho and Carson Kelly's catching. So you, you've got this gluttony of outfielders. You're adding Kyle Lewis to the fold where, yeah, you can hide him in a corner or you can just have him DH. Uh, yeah, um, that, that's the thing is I don't really think it has a bearing on on their other moves. Like I know people are like, Oh, this makes another outfielder even more expensive. I don't, I don't really think so. I, I think so, this is kind of just like, Hey, we, we needed to clear up uh, you know, some space. We didn't really have much use for Hummel. Let's try to buy low on Kyle Lewis. So first and foremost, let's get this out of the way. Um, <laughs> I Twitter's not going down, uh, but I did see on baseball Twitter. Um, a lot of people are floating like 
trade theories of Alec Thomas, which I think would just be a big mistake for Arizona. Yeah. I don't know why people are are, are like, I, I, mean, I, I, I could be wrong on this. So we'll see. The only way it makes sense to trade Alec Thomas is if you're getting a, a, a proven starting pitcher, right? If it's in a deal for a Pablo Lopez or Pablo in a deal Lopez. for uh, somebody else. I'm not just saying next tomorrow. It's guy that's just, no, it's first. Pablo Lopez. It's Pablo yeah. Lopez for Alec Thomas straight up. That's how it's going to work. It's going to be like the gallon jazz situation, right? Like that's the only way it makes sense to me. I, people can look at the numbers from Alec Thomas at the big leagues last year. I, do I need to repeat myself on how many times outfielders, but but also just, just players in general, rookie hitters in general struggle when they get the call up. Like it, it's so common. And Thomas showed plenty of flashes. He wasn't a disaster and he played good defense. Like it's ridiculous uh, to, to say, Oh, well, I think, you know, Corbin Carroll lapped him and, uh, you know, McCarthy emerged and whatever. I would still rather trade McCarthy than trade Alec Thomas. And, you know, I, I, I think I would assume that the Diamondbacks feel the same way. Um, speaking to the Marlins, Let's let's start with them. So yeah. they trade for Xavier Edwards. We talked about that. He gets added to the 40 man immediately. They add Josh Simpson, a left-handed pitching prospect who is in the back end of their top 30. He's nasty. He This guy could stick as a lefty. I got to see him in, in Pensacola. I got to see him a little bit. I believe a Columbia grad. So pretty cool there. And then they also add three guys. And I would say these are, it was a pretty interesting three. George Soriano. Eli Villalobos and Sean Reynolds. The funnier part is, so Soriano was a starter, kind of an up and coming name. I saw him on the backfields before the season last year, and he impressed me as a starter, but just couldn't quite get it going as, you know, when he was stretched out, the stuff just kind of diminished a little bit. He was changed into that reliever role. Stuff really ticked up, looked really good. Villalobos and Reynolds did not start their professional careers as pitchers, even more so on Reynolds, a fourth round pick as a first baseman and just couldn't stop striking out. I mean, he struck out as much as anybody in the minor leagues. So they move him to the mound. He's a big dude at like six, six, and he was touching a hundred last year with ease and he's got that closer dog mentality still trying to figure out which of his secondaries he wants to use is that out pitch he's shown a change up he's got two breaking balls that look pretty good it was a surprise to a lot of people to see Reynolds added but honestly I wouldn't be surprised if Reynolds ends up pitching some high leverage innings for the Marlins at the, at the big league level next year yeah man um yeah I when we were in Pensacola we saw Soriano and Villalobos pitch right yeah yeah, Via Lobos is an athlete. Like, if if I'm not mistaken, the dude is carved, and and he actually, you know, he he uses that frame really well. Pretty unorthodox arm slot, but he was throwing Chad if if memory serves correctly. Well, he was a catcher, so you're gonna get that naturally kind of different arm slot uh, yeah. from a guy like Via Lobos and sits 95, great life, and from that lower arm slot just just rides up. These are two guys that could be bullpen options for the Marlins this year, and they, the Marlins. Bullpen needs stuff, guys. They got too many Dylan Floros, and they, they even add Chagua now. It's like all ground ball, like yeah, just just the opposite, the antithesis of today's bullpen arms. These guys are a little bit different. They don't add Troy Johnston, outfield prospect, Griffin Conine, outfield prospect, and MD Johnson, right-handed pitching prospect. MD Johnson put up really good numbers in high A, and they just never promoted him for whatever reason. So I think that kind of says enough in itself. Uh, Troy Johnson really got hot in double A. He was one of the hottest players in the minor leagues uh, during his, his final stretch in double before getting promoted to triple, and then struggled a bit in triple. Griffin Conine, I mean, 
set the Pensacola Buwahoo's home run record that was set by Peyton Burdick. Uh, we know how many home runs this guy can hit. He walks a lot. Swing and miss is the big question, and it's enough of a question for the Marlins to feel confident that you know nobody's going to select him in the Rule 5 draft. So Johnson and Conine are, are probably the two guys that have a, a very small chance of being taken away. But as we've talked about here, there's so many bats that put up good numbers at the AAA level. It's probably not a risk that's going to be taken. And you can kind of understand the Marlins willing to roll the dice there with two of their better offensive prospects uh, in Johnson and Conine, because odds are a team's not going to, you know, force those guys up to the big leagues in the rule five. Yeah, that, that was really objective journalistic analysis from you. I, I really appreciate that. So let's golf clap for Aram. That was really good. Um, you know, I'm just stunned they don't protect the medical doctor. Uh, M.D. Johnson, like, yeah, you, you got to protect the medical doctor. He's that guy's a human rain delay. Um, oh, God, so yeah, slow. No, get him off the 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have factored in. Um, I will say, though, congratulations to Griffin's dad, Jeff. Yes. who was just brought back to the Marlins organization as a special assistant to owner Bruce Sherman. So yes. it goes without being said, Mr. Marlin should be a part of the Marlins organization. And uh, hopefully Griffin Conine can you know meet his dad up at the big leagues very soon. Uh, and assuming he doesn't get selected in the rule five, we'll have a chance to do so. Uh, so when, when Jeff and Bruce Sherman go to McCormick and Schmicks, are you invited? Hell no, probably not. I don't no, know. Just ask. Ask politely. Say, hey, I would. Do I want to be invited? I think you do. That's the owner of the Marlins, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think you do. You ever met Bruce Sherman or no? Uh, no. So I was on the backfields now. <laughs> Vivid memory as clear as day. Hold on. Hold it. on. Backfields and owner? I'm already like in. Yeah, no, no, no. Bruce was, was out there. Near the backfield. Bruce was out there on the backfields watching Max Meyer throw. And one of the Marlins like analytics or front office. No, they're probably not analytics guy. One of their front office guys or whatever was sitting with Bruce and Max Myers pitching, just ripping sliders. And they were disgusting. And, and Bruce looks over and he's like, that's, that's obviously the slider. Right. And, and the, the guy sitting next to him was like, yeah, so that's a big league plus plus pitch right now. And Bruce was like, Oh, wow. Yeah. I could tell. And I was just like, he was taking it in. Like Bruce seems like a very good guy. Um, We'll see. We'll see how things go. I think, you know, he, he was a little handcuffed with Jeter and Jeter obviously wanted to let everybody go. And Bruce did the right thing and brought Mr. Marlin back. So very excited about that. Good shit. Milwaukee Brewers. They add Bryce Terang. No freaking brainer. If you want to see how high we are on Terang, go look at our top 100 list. Awesome. He's way up there. I love him, uh, which is crazy. Crazy. Because, we, because for me. we didn't before this year. I used to think he was so him. boring. I used to think he was so boring. But my arc on Bryce Terang has been a fun one. I am all in on Bryce Terang. They do. They also add Abner Uribe, who I highlighted recently, actually, on the uh, when I did a solo episode, Jack. This guy throws fuzz like 101, 102. Doesn't know where it's going, but you got to see what happens because he's just so nasty. And that's it. They also add, sorry, Cam Robinson and John Singleton. Yes. And I got to I got to pat myself on the back on John Singleton because I think I mentioned him on the podcast a while back. I've definitely tweeted about him several times. Of course, that's, yes, the same John Singleton from the Houston Astros that signed that four-year or six-year $12 million deal PR before really even playing in the big leagues and dealt with some off-the-field issues, um, some substance issues that you know really took him away from the game, fought his way back, and 
man, he looks great. I saw a few videos of the swing in spring training. I started following up a little bit more, watched some videos of where he was playing. I believe in the Mexican league. And I'm like, yeah. this guy can freaking hit. And he got back into game shape. And I think he could be a really good platoon option. His numbers against righties were spectacular. And I, I, I'm just really happy. We talked about Riley Pine. I'm very happy for John Singleton as well to work his way back. And congratulations to him. I had a tweet about him and his, I think his wife um, like quote tweeted it and was like all hyped up and supporting him. So you could just see how excited the family is. Very happy for John Singleton, 31 years old, hopefully going to work his way back to the big leagues. I assume adding him to the 40 man roster means he's going to get a chance at the big league level. So Singleton has transformed his game a lot because when he signed that deal with the Astros, right, he was homer threat. He he was a 30 homer prospect right now. Yeah, he had 24 bombs in Nashville, 134 games. Motherfucker walked 117 times. He had a 219 clip, but a 375 OBP. This dude was as solid a selective hitter as we had in AAA baseball. The guys that that jumped out when I was watching AAA on a daily basis was um, Will Benson in Columbus and John Singleton. Like those were the two best selective hitters that we saw in AAA. John Singleton, his last minor league experience pre-2022 was with AA Corpus Christi in the Houston system in 2017. No baseball, 2018, 2019, 2020. 2021, he's on Diablos Rojos del Mexico with, I, I, I got to list off some of these names, dude. Archimedes Camonero. Oh, I remember Diaz, him. Roberto Osuna, Jorge mm-hmm. Cantu, Gorky's Hernandez, Jan Hervis Solarte. God. That's a loaded team. That is a loaded team. And that then is- here he is coming back and, you know, just he, he didn't necessarily rake in AAA, but you know what? 117 walks in 134 games, 22 doubles, 24 homers. You're going to take that, man. 809 OPS. I'm in. So here's here's the one thing that really stands out to me. And I think this is the role he's going to serve is I don't think he faces a lefty all year. Right. I think he is going to be a platoon guy for them. And against righties last year. 248, 406, 520 slash line with as many walks as strikeouts. I mean, a 406 on base percentage, 926 OPS, a 407 X Woba. He crushes righties and he gets on base at a high clip. They did something similar with Eric Thames, and I think he could be kind of similar in that role. Um, and and it was it worked for the Brewers with Thames for a couple of years. I think it could work with Singleton. I mean, guys left off real quick. Felix Valario, just classic too far away guy. No one's taking a chance. Eduardo Garcia as well. Those are two shortstops. Cam Robinson, right-handed pitching prospect as well. And just didn't really do enough, I think, to for he could be taken, I guess, but I, I don't really see a team teams lining up for him as much as some of the other guys. But he might be a candidate, uh, given that he had success in double, but kind of hit a wall and triple a little bit. Depends on how much teams were sold on the double A performance. Carlos Rodriguez, outfield prospect, and Victor Castaneda, who just does not throw hard enough, I think, for teams to be to be really interested. So nothing crazier. Rodriguez far away. I would say Cam Robinson probably the most likely to be selected 23 years old struggled in triple but the numbers in single a high a and double a were really freaking good i'm in minnesota twins 
They add Matt Canarino, no brainer, and Edward Julian, no brainer. I've talked a lot about Julian recently. You've talked a lot about Julian. There's there's not much that we need to add there. This guy's pretty much almost big league ready with the bat, and I think we'll see him either early in the season or he might even break camp if he puts on a good enough show in spring training. Uh, Canarino, he's battled injuries, but when he's healthy, this guy is gross. I still have some hope that he can stick as a starter, uh, but even if all goes bad, he is a nasty, nasty reliever. We, we've only seen him in double A, but I can almost assure you that a team would have taken a chance on him just because of how good the stuff is and how nasty he is and stashed him in the bullpen as they try to, you know, get him to to get right. Command has been an issue for him, uh, but yeah, this is a guy that can really pitch. Then they also add two non-top 30 guys, Brent Hedrick and Casey Legumina. I'll let you kind of talk briefly about Canarino and Julian while I get some information together on Hedrick and Legumina. <laughs> well, um, Edouard Julian is the French-Canadian version of Barry Bonds. You know <laughs> that. Uh, yes. Edouard Julian is... Uh, I mean, this guy is actually electric. He's stupidly electric. He's so much fun because um, he, he walks all the time. Uh, he hits nukes. He, he is fun, man. And like he may lack. Um, this is going to be the second time we bring up Dan Ugla because, again, Ugla was one of those finds in the rule five. But like Edouard Julian is it kind of feels like Dan Ugla, right? He's actually got a lot of Dan Ugla in him because he's going to hit the crap out of the ball at second base. He's not going to play good defense. Um, he's probably going to get on base a little bit better. I don't remember Dan Ugla's walk rates, but I'd assume they weren't great. Uh, that's the thing is Julian is one of the best in that department in all of the minor leagues. Um, but yeah, there is that power, uh, not great defense that you're going to get at second base, but, but Julian, a no brainer addition there. And I, I looked back at Ugla. I was shocked that he wasn't added to the rule five. If you look at his numbers in double, double A and triple A, it's pretty, pretty shocking actually that he wasn't added to the 40 man roster. Uh, Weird. I think it was so, with the D backs back then. Yeah. So love Julian, obviously Canarino, um, Canarino feels a lot like what the Yankees did with, uh, Ron Marinaccio this year, where Marinaccio is just a, a guy that at the very least was going to be gross out of the bullpen. And that's exact. That's exactly what Canarino can do out of the twins bullpen. You know, they want him to be a starter, but worst case scenario, he's just an incredibly enticing bullpen piece for you right away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that's why you, and, and they didn't have as tough a roster decisions as some others. So I, I think it was a no brainer for them just yeah, in case. You to Urbina. Yeah. Yeah. If there was even just a couple percent chance of losing any of those guys, Steven Cruz struggled in double A too much, not worth the spot. So Hedrick and Legumina, two guys that honestly, like I'm looking at it and I was like, okay, they, they just had a couple extra spots and they're like, screw it. We'll just protect these guys with all due respect. Uh, you look at Legumina, double A, four, nine, three, RA, struck out 76 and 73 innings. He did have three. You know, three saves as well. So kind of went back and forth from that starter reliever role. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> not, not much there. And then Hedrick, another guy that didn't pitch above double a four, eight, one ERA. So I don't think the twins had much of a roster crunch compared to others. No, I don't think so. New York Mets. Did they not add anybody? I don't think they added anybody. Um, I think they, by this trade, have added Eliezer Hernandez and Brigham to the 40-man. Really exciting. Um, but they also like... So you, you think about the system, right? Top prospects in the system 
Um, and, and I'm not sure if they've graduated or not. Alvarez has not graduated, but Alvarez has already debuted. He's on the 40 man. Beatty has already debuted. He's on the 40 man. Uh, Parada is nowhere close to being rule five eligible. Alex Ramirez is not that close to being rule five eligible. Um, everybody that they got to work. I mean, Vientos already debuted. So he's on the 40 man. Like there, there was no pressing issue for the Mets. So there are four guys sprinkled in their top 30, according to pipeline that were not protected but they're all in like low A or high A. And, I mean, and Ronnie Mauricio has been on their 40 man for like five years. Yeah. I mean, there, there was actually zero urgency to protect anybody with the Mets. This could actually be a very quick one. One guy. Oh, Jake Mangum. Oh, I, this, this is going to be a target. I really think so because Jake Mangum, he is a defensive wizard out there. I tweeted a video. You can check it out on my personal Twitter at arm late Nate, where he runs one down in center field and makes this just insane over the shoulder catch. But I just watched a lot of the, of the video. Cause I was reading up on some Mets fans. were not happy about not protecting him. Cause they're like, okay, well we're still figuring out who our center field is going to be next year. And he's a great fourth outfielder type. He also hit pretty well between double and triple a last year. I think a one twelve WRC plus between the two levels. I, you know, they're you're not going to get a ton with the bat, but I think he could be league average or just below it with the bat if he's a great defender it's a great fourth outfielder that you can add and if he if you plug him into center the bat's not you know so bad that you're going to be like holy crap we need to go get somebody right now like he can he can bridge the gap until you get somebody or your everyday center fielder returns I was really impressed with the glove from Jake Mangum and, and he had a really nice season last year that was the one surprise from the Mets but you know I think they felt like they'd rather use that roster spot to to help them win more this year. And I mean, they feel pretty confident that they're going to fill up that outfield pretty easily. You know, the key to my heart, man, high floor college bats. He's exactly that <laughs> stay in New York. We go to the Yankees and they add Randy Vasquez, right-handed pitching prospect. They add Johnny burrito, right-handed pitching prospect. And they add Matt crook, left-handed pitching prospect. Not added Antonio Gomez, a catcher, Josh Bro, a catcher, Alexander Vargas, a shortstop, Brandon Lockridge, an outfielder, Edgar Barclay, a left-handed pitcher, and Juan Sarella, a right-handed pitcher. I don't think any of those guys are at much risk to be selected, um, really, period. Maybe, maybe a team that wants to stash a, a catcher could take Josh bro, Antonio Gomez has huge upside as a big power hitter, but you know, he hasn't played above low a bro really struggled offensively in triple overall. I think I had a 700 OPS, but again, if, if there's a team that wants to stash a catcher, that's a possibility. Uh, But you know, they really focused on, on stashing those arms that have a good chance to potentially help them out of the bullpen this year. And Vasquez, Brito and crook. Yeah, Yankees didn't need to protect a catcher because they've got the Messiah coming and Ben Rortvet, which we know. Hell yeah. Uh, um, what I will say is buckle the fuck up for the Johnny Brito experience. This guy's electric. Sub three ERA, 23 starts. Uh, he does not strike dudes out. I think it was like 112 innings. He struck out 90. Um, but you know what? Like this guy... <laughs> I, I think he just lives on the ground um, and, and he managed to just roll out to the point 
that he had a sub three ERA. So it is a very, very, very Walmart version of Logan Webb. Sign me up for it. I mean, it's hard to deny the kind of year he had. The changeup was spectacular. He threw it 33% of the time, which was more than any other pitch. And opponents at 165, 207, 268 against it. 53 Ks, nine walks. The reason why he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts is guess what the second most frequently thrown pitch is? Um, wait, you said changeup was the number one's changeup. Number two, what is the second most frequently thrown pitch? That's just not going to allow you to get a lot of strikeouts. Fastball. Yes. Sinker. So, Oh, he's a changeup sinker. He's a changeup sinker guy, which (laughs) if you have a phenomenal changeup, it it works. You're just not going to get whiffs, right? You're going to get a lot of weak contact changeup sinker wise. Um, but yeah, he got no whiffs on the sinker, but it was effective enough. Got a ton of ground balls on it. 63% ground ball rate on the sinker. So he's a changeup sinker guy. Not going to get K's. Going to get a lot of weak contact. He does mix in a four-seamer. That was a better pitch for him to try to get strikeouts and the occasional slider. This is a great swing man. Um, and he could blossom into a five. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out as if he can continue to roll ground balls at this level. Um, it, it, hold on. If he's a changeup sinker guy, it, you can just say slow or fast. Like it, it, they both are arm side with a, like a little bit of drop. I mean, it, it's the same exact pitch. It's just one's like 10 miles an hour faster than the other. Yeah. Well, Sandy Alcantara. Reigning Cy Young winner, um, unanimous, was the unanimous. same way. And unanimous. once you know, I'm not saying he's going to be him because Sandy throws 98, but the, when he got the four seamer working at the top of the zone more, it, it started to open up more whiff ability for him. And, and Brito was trying to do that at the end of the year. I think he can do that a little bit more. And if the slider, which isn't great now, can even be like a fringe average pitch that he can mix in. By the way, Sandy's worst pitch is a slider, but it's just better than fringe average because he's a freak. He could be a five, you know, like he could be that that guy. But regardless, a no brainer addition because he could pitch valuable innings for you through the course of a 162 game season. Matt Crook, left handed pitcher. It's funny. I've, I've heard his name and have just not really checked in too much. He's 28 years old, 6'3", 225 pounds, but he's got pretty good stuff. Uh, fastball and slider in terms of velo. Not great. Fastballs, it's a sinker in the upper 80s and a slider in the low 80s, but just got a good amount of whiffs on both of those pitches. He's another crafty lefty that's just going to kind of just get you out. <laughs> like, um, it, It's just funny. That's that's the guys that the Yankees ended up protecting. I, you'd think they'd be more stuff guys, but uh, those stuff guys are pretty much with the big league team or way down in the lower levels. I'm in, man. I'm in. Sign me up. Okay, so we got the A's next. Well, real quick, Randy Vasquez, probably the best stuff of the group. Mid-90s fastball, hammer curveball, can mix in a changeup as well. By far the highest ceiling of any of those guys. And again, not much to worry about with the guys that were not added. Oakland A's, Lawrence Butler is added. And I mean, that that was a no-brainer, especially because they didn't have the the biggest decision to make with a lot of they, They didn't have as much of a crunch on their 40 man roster and they could really just go trade some big leaguers if they really had to uh lawrence butler is still a little bit off uh needs a little bit more time but i loved what i saw from him in the arizona fall league he's going to be a very good ball player great athlete hits the crap out of the ball he's listed as pipelines number 14 prospect in the a system he's way better than that Um, and i can tell you for a fact that the a's hold him in a higher regard to that. Again, I always talk about how the 40 man decisions can kind of give you a clue into how highly regarded guys are in the system. 
That was a no-brainer. Hogan Harris added as well, which is just an unbelievably awesome name. Um, left-handed pitcher. He's older, 25 years old, but you know, low 90s fastball, good changeup, decent curve, three-pitch mix that could make him a five starter. You could also be a swing man, worth protecting if you're if you're the A's because he's got some intriguing upside. They don't protect your boy Eurebio Angeles. Who came over in what trade, Jack? What trade was that? The Sean Manaya deal. Sean Manaya deal. Logan Davidson. So those are two shortstops, but can play all over. Brian Buelvas, outfielder. Colin Palouse, right-handed pitching prospect, who I actually really liked, and I think he could be selected. And Jorge Juan, who I is just a great name as well. I love the name Jorge Juan. Um, we love alliteration. Yeah. Yes. Any any thoughts on the guys that weren't added? Some some interesting names. Yeah, so Euribio Angeles, one of the most fun names to say in minor league baseball. He is so far off, so nobody's touching him. Um, he's also a 300, 300, 300 hitter. Like, that's what he yes. does. He's cut from the Nick Magical cloth. Um, Logan Davidson, what a fall from grace this guy was. I mean, he was like... You know, he, he was classic shortstop masher at Clemson, and, and Oakland was super excited about him, if I'm not 29th mistaken. 29th overall was, pick? Yeah, first-round pick by Oakland. And, you know, he just he hasn't fulfilled what he was supposed to, I don't think, with the A's. So, you know, this is a guy that I, I don't think anybody's touching. I'm with you. If if any team is going to touch one, it's Colin Palouse. Um, but I don't think the stuff is sexy enough to warrant a team going after him. I think... I think the A's kind of saved their ass here, and I don't think anybody's getting gypped. Yeah, so that's the problem is, you know, if I'm going to take a guy that's, you know, fringy in AAA, I want him to be a stuff guy and just, just hope that the command comes together. Palouse is kind of a pitchability guy that, you know, is was just not quite there in AAA last year. I, I liked what I saw in the fall league from him, but, you know, this is this is somebody that if you pick him, there's not as much of that fallback of like, oh, well, maybe at least at the very least he can pitch the the sixth inning. Like for Palouse, it's it's probably rotation, you know, five starter bust or, you know, mop up duty at the very worst. So he just doesn't have as much of that exciting reliever potential as some of the other guys that we're going to talk about, you know, in this rule five. And again, Hogan Harris, pretty nasty. Jorge Juan, probably not getting selected. Phillies. They had one dude, and it was one dude that they should have absolutely added. I'm starting to see a little bit more helium on Johan Rojas, and I've been talking about him for a while. He is a freakazoid in the outfield. Like he will, I think if he if he plays enough years, if he hits enough, he will win Gold Gloves in center field. I was floored by what he can do out there, and the bat's getting better, better, and better. I got to see him actually take a lot of batting practice. He's got crazy bat speed. I think he's going to get there. That's it, though. That's the only guy they add. They do not add Eric Miller, McKinley Moore, and Alexis Azuaje. Miller is a left-handed pitching prospect. Moore is a right-handed pitching prospect. Azuaje is an infielder. Rojas is still probably a year plus away, but because of his defensive prowess, that he was like a classic draft and stash guy. If you're a rebuilding team, like if you're if you're the Tigers or you know if you're the A's. You draft and stash Johan Rojas in two seconds, and you can throw him out there defensively, kind of like they did with Akil Badu uh, when the Tigers did. This is this is a great move to keep him in there. But Eric Miller, you know, I thought they might add him. Kind of surprising to see Miller left off. 
Yeah, I, I think he's gone. I think he's I think he's a rule five draft pick. I do. Um, because this is a lefty that for the most part was in the bullpen in AAA this year. Uh three five ERA across thirty-two appearances, seven of which starts, uh, but very, very short starts. Thirty-two appearances, forty-eight in the third inning, struck out sixty-two, struggled with command, thirty-one walks and forty-eight innings. Um, but at the end of the day, opponents hit 222 against him. So you feel good about that. If the command reigns in, he's got good enough stuff to survive in a bullpen. And it's always good to have a left-handed bullpen piece at your disposal. I do think that this guy is a rule five draft pick. Absolutely. I think the team's looking at the video and saying this X mechanical tweak here could be the difference, right? And and the whiff rates that he gets on his fastball and his changeup, and even the slider's not bad either. I agree with you, man. 6'5", 240-pound lefty with success and double. And even even though he didn't succeed in triple, got a taste of it. I, I, if, if I'm making a list here, if I work for a team, he's one of the guys that I'm absolutely putting on this list too. Depending on what the needs are, he's he's one of the the, the first. And, and you know, you, you hit the nail on the head here, right? Everyone's looking for that lefty. And if you're not going to spend for Andrew Chafin or whoever else on the free agent market, you're hoping that you can find one here. And I think Miller could be that guy that that found money as a left-hander out of the bullpen. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, I I don't think they're too worried about McKinley Moore. Um, you know, 24-year-old, he, he, he pitched in double A, had some decent numbers, 4-3-5 ERA. If someone wants to take him, I don't think they lose sleep over, you know, righty. It, he is 6-6, but 14th round pick by your Chicago White Sox in 2019. Pittsburgh Pirates. You ready? You ready for this one? Let's do it. They add Andy Rodriguez. No brainer. They add Mike Burrows. No brainer. They add Jared Triolo, which I thought was interesting given some of the other guys that they've got to add, which we'll get to in a second. They also add Colin Selby. You presumably saw every guy they added, right? So I'll give you the floor there. We don't need to talk much on Andy and even Burrows. I mean, Burrows is a dude. That's a no brainer. Um, Triolo and Selby. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Selby. Um, what I will say about Burroughs, like obviously Andy Rodriguez, he's one of the best prospects in all of baseball at this point. Um, I mean, utterly incredible what he did this past year. He will probably follow like the O'Neill Cruz script where he's in Indianapolis until like mid to late June and then get the call up at that point, especially with how thin the Pirates are behind the plate. Um, which is shocking uh, about one of these guys that was not added here, yes. um, to be totally honest. But uh, Burroughs, I've said it. I'll say it again. I'll keep pounding the pavement here. I do think he's got a much higher ceiling than Quinn Priester just because of the stuff. Because yeah. Priester is, you know, sinker slider. Burroughs is really high spin, high velocity fastball. And he snaps off a hammer of a curveball that has 12-6 action. I think that... The the way those two pitches work off of each other and the way that I saw them work off of each other, I think Burroughs has the chance to be a really, really special frontline starter at the major league level. Starting with Selby, Colin Selby, this is from Ryland Dominguez at Tread Athletics. I saw this and I was like, you know, I, I didn't know much about Selby when he was one of those late bumps from Altoona to Indy. And I was like, okay, we're going to see this kid Selby. Like I knew what we were getting with Priester and with Andy Rodriguez and with Blake Sable um, and Matt Gorski, who we're going to talk about as well. But Selby was like, okay, just a reliever, you know, looks like he had a good year. All of a sudden, first pitch he throws is 99 and, yeah. and it blows somebody up. And I'm just like, holy shit, let's buckle in, man. Colin Selby, according to Ryland Dominguez at Tread Athletics, 
um, would be the second best pitcher stuff wise in the Pirates bullpen by weighted stuff plus stuff plus is Eno Saris's thing. So you look at the Pirates bullpen by weighted stuff plus um, Johan Ramirez is number one. Ramirez is gross and he's a guy that's kind of bounced around a little bit as a waiver claim. But but that's a that's a legit reliever in Major League Baseball. Then Selby, then Colin Holderman, who they got for Daniel Vogelbach, then Yeri De Los Santos, who I fucking love. And then Bednar, Will Crow and Johan Oviedo. So that tells you what kind of stuff he's got. 97 to 99, high 80s slider, low 80s curveball. All of it works really well. He's a big league reliever, Colin Selby. Triolo was a very seasoned veteran college bats. And this is a guy that hit pretty well in in uh, Altoona. He did not end the year in Indy playing because he was hurt to end the year. But, you know, Triolo is a guy that I, I think would get nabbed in the rule five. Like the pirates had a lot of guys that would get nabbed if they were left yeah. unprotected Which and they're will- going to be without. Yeah. We're going to get to them right now. I mean, they're going to be without some guys that they were banking on just because they were on a roster crunch. And after we talk about the guys that were left off, I, I, I do want to highlight some guys on the 40 man that, you know, Ben Charrington could have done something about this to, to add a guy like Blake Sable or like Matt Gorski. So Selby, just to add one more point to this, dude, the slider might be one of the best sliders I've seen, really, statistically speaking. And then I dug into it stuff wise. Holy crap. <laughs> this slider is insane. So it, it was fastball slider for him a little bit. And, and then the curveball as well. Upper 80s opponents this year were one. I'll make sure I'm reading this right. One for 35 against it with 21 strikeouts. That's disgusting. So um, obviously you can see why the Pirates felt like they could plug him into the bullpen and he would have been plucked. Guys not added. Malcolm Nunez, first base prospect who came over in that Quintana deal from the Cardinals. Matt Frazier, outfield prospect who was great in double A two years ago, struggled this year. Uh, Michael Escado, shortstop prospect. Matt Gorski, outfield prospect. Dario Lopez, shortstop prospect. Rodolfo Nolasco, outfield prospect. Tanaj Thomas, right-handed pitching prospect, who I was always hoping would put it all together, uh, but it's just not been able to. And that doesn't even get to the guy that I think might be the biggest snub, and it's Blake Sable, catching slash outfield prospect who you saw go nuclear and triple. I think he's gone. I really do think he's gone because not only can he catch at a decent level, even if you don't want him as a catcher, he can play the outfield. He's a sneaky, good athlete. I watched a lot of him in the fall league batting practice games, whatever. I watched him launch a grand slam, but I also saw the raw power on display in BP. This guy can play and he got better as the year went on, even in, in triple a. So, I, I want to work my way to Sable. Nunez is a guy that's 21 years old with a brief cameo in triple. I'm not sure if a team's touching him because um, of the positional limitations, especially too. Yeah. Like he's, he's you a can find first base corner infielder. Um, yeah. Matt Frazier is too far off. Like he can't hit in a major league game right now. I don't think anybody's touching him as Goto's really young. I think Gorski is the second best chances behind Sable yep. because this is a guy that can slug. He had some issues with his quad. He aggravated his quad um, in his last game in triple, which was his first game in triple this year. Um, but I, I think if he's right, like I think he, I think he hit the most homers in the pirate system. Um, this And he's a season. sneaky athlete too. Played yeah, some center. Yeah, no, he, he can mash. Um, other guys, I don't, I don't think you're getting touched, but I think Blake Sable is as good as gone. And Sable is a good defensive catcher. 
He can play a good defensive outfield. He mashes and he doesn't swing and miss that much. Like this guy is a very fun hitter to watch and he is an immediate improvement for a struggling team in their lineup, whether it be as a platoon guy or as, you know, somebody that is, is almost a utility man of sorts, right? Backup catcher. And I look at the Pirates 40 man roster and I say, huh, you'd prefer Ali Sanchez to be your other 40 man catcher aside from Andy Rodriguez over Blake Sable. Okay. Let's look at some other position players. You really prefer Hoy Park. And that's the one Hoy Park blows my mind. Yeah. Like you, you, even Diego Castillo, like you prefer Diego Castillo over Blake Sable. You prefer Hoy Park over Blake Sable. You prefer Ryan Valade, who you just added over Blake Sable. How about Tucapita Marcano over Blake Sable? Really? Like, I, I just don't see it. I, I think Sable is going to thrive somewhere else, which stinks for the Pirates. What stands out to me also is, you know, this guy's a big lefty, 6'4", 200 pounds. And, you know, generally those kind of guys, probably more now, it's probably 210, 215. Uh, they're going to be, they're going to struggle left on left. Sable doesn't. 742 OPS against lefties, against righties, 862 OPS. So this is a guy that's, and again, like walked more as the year went on, just continue to get better. I think he figured something out as the year went on, and, and I think he's going to carry it into next year. I'm very interested to see you know, how early a team may try to take a chance on him, and that was a surprising one. Gorski's whiff rates, I think, are going to deter teams, while the strikeout rates didn't quite show as much. His zone contact rates are pretty pretty brutal. Um, I, I think that could be enough for teams to, to be put off a little bit, so I can understand that roll of the dice, but Sable was a surprising one, especially because he can also play the outfield, and that's the other thing, too. If he was limited to you know fringy defense behind the dish i'd be like eh. but this is a guy that can also you know play another position and, and the bat could end up being a, a a nice valuable asset there too san diego padres they did basically nothing um they added one guy who was not on their top 100 or top 100 top 30 i'd assume he'd be in their top 100 prospects tom cosgrove a left-handed pitching prospect they don't add Corey Howell, they don't add Gyro Iriarte, they don't add Noel Vela, Tirso Ornelas, Norwellian Cedeno, Brandon Valenzuela, Moises Lugo, and Matthew Waldron. This is a system that you were pretty intimate with before your job with the Pirates. No, um, not these guys. A lot of these guys. Tirso Ornelas is a dude. And you you alerted me about Tirso Ornelas early on. And uh, the this guy, I'm afraid he's going to be the like, oh, if he puts it together, oh, if he puts it together. Because he's flashed some big time power. Hasn't consistently tapped into it. But he's a good athlete. But at the end of the day, barely sniffed AAA. I could see a team maybe taking a flyer, but I doubt it because again, he, he was, it was just pretty good numbers and double and still has not quite tapped into the power. Uh, but I, I do really like Ornelas. That's maybe the only guy I have any, any fear of potentially losing if I'm a Padres fan, I would say. Yeah. So Noel Vela is, is a fun left-handed pitcher, but he's too far off. Like nobody's going to, you know, add him to the 40 man right now. So, so this is a guy that'll, that'll be in the Padres system next year. Uh, Ornelas, that's the question. Moises Lugo is fun. Nobody's going to add him at this point. He's, you know, mid to high nineties. He can creep into the high nineties, has a good slider as well. Um, Brandon Valenzuela has been a very underwhelming catcher 
Um, and you're not the yeah. first one to make that mistake. My radio partner in Fort Wayne, he kept on calling him Brandon Venezuela. And it was it's just so much easier. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is because that's that's a word that you are accustomed to saying. Valenzuela is not. Um, but Valenzuela is he he's a big dude catcher, but he struggled in high A. So don't expect him to be added to any 40 man. The only guy I think that's truly at risk is Matt Waldron, who's the player to be named later in the Clevenger deal. Um, I, I think I've told you about his backstory. He came over as like, you know, like low, maybe, maybe touch mid nineties with a fastball, like four pitch mix. He was fucking around at instructs and he threw a knuckleball and it was gross. Yeah. And and somebody was like, do that again. And, and he did it again. And it was gross. And they were like, do that again. Now throw it in a bullpen. And now Waldron is around an 80 mile an hour knuckleball. And he, snaps off 95 whenever he needs it. Like this is a guy that is a knuckleballer, but a hard knuckleball. So R.A. Dickey knuckleball. I need a physicist. I need a physicist because he was dynamite in double A. Two eight four ERA in 44 innings. He goes to El Paso, right? That's where triple A is. Yeah. El Paso. Eight, four, four ERA. Zero gravity. At altitude. What does a knuckleball do there? Is it just not do, not do shit. Does it just not do anything? No idea. We got to see if, if, knuckleballers for the Rockies make sense. Also, yeah, well, it looks like maybe not given that Waldron hit hit the wall and triple, but that, it, there, he is interesting enough where it could, could be possible. Um, it's funny looking at, if you look at pipeline, it's like fastball 50, slider 45, knuckleball 55. What's, what's, a, what's a plus knuckleball? Is his knuckleball not plus? I, I'm not, well, it's a new one. Like, yeah. It was funny. He was like two months into throwing it in, in Fort Wayne. And I sat down for an interview with him. I was like, can you show me how you grip it? And he was like, no. And I was like, state secret. And he said, no, I just grip it differently. Like I'm trying to figure it out. Like every time I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see if that knuckleball actually, you know, if, if he finds consistency with it, like this is a big league knuckleballer, Matt Walter. That'd be fun. I'd be in on that. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, again, I, I think we kind of, we kind of hit on it. There's not too many guys at too much risk, too much swing and miss from Corey Howell. I think he could be a decent prospect, but just, just too far off. Um, the guy they had Cosgrove. So lefty with a good slider. And you know, that's somebody that again, teams know that other teams are going to be targeting San Francisco giants. Add Marco Luciano. No brainer. Add Luis Matos. No brainer. Add and this is the interesting part. And if you would have told somebody this a couple of years ago, it probably would have been mind blown. They don't add Jairo Pomaris. They don't add Hunter Bishop. They don't add Will Wilson. They do add non-top 30 guys, Tristan Beck, Jose Cruz, Keaton Wynn, and Brett Wisely. Wisely was just acquired from the Rays, was a 40-man a, a casualty, as it was Xavier Edwards. Think of them as kind of similar level of prospects, very different types of prospects. Wisely is more impact and whiff where Edwards is the opposite, but I like wisely. He's toolsy and could be very interesting. And I think the giants really liked him too. That's why they made that deal. Uh, but you know, I loved Pomares as a breakout guy. I whiffed on that one. And then he whiffed a lot this year. Uh, Bishop, you know, it's kind of been a struggle for him since the get go. And then will Wilson, Kind of the same story. He he was traded over after being selected not too long after. Giants took a chance on him, basically purchased him uh, with the way that the trade shook out. I forget exactly how it went down, but it essentially was in that in that same regard. And and he just hasn't quite put it together either. Um, 
says a lot when you're adding four non top 30 guys on top of your two, you know, superstar prospects. Yeah. I mean, it tells you how crappy of a year it was for a lot of, you know, high profile guys or so you thought coming in, you know, my, you know, my giants agenda here. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a really, really bad year for the San Francisco Giants, like not just at the major league level. It was a really bad year. Mm-hmm. The positives you can take are guy that's not on the roster anymore. And Carlos Rodon, like he pitched so well that he wanted to opt out. Jack Peterson, um, that's a positive. Kyle Harrison is another positive. And then you you can probably call Logan Webb season a positive. And, and that's about it. Organizationally, I'd call Casey Schmidt one of the few positives. And, and that's about it. Yeah, that is about it. Uh, Vaughn Brown as well, this 24-year-old that came like, out of okay, nowhere. Those are great. Like, that's great. But like... That that's not what they want right now. Hey, like, obviously, has got him as the number ten prospect in the system right now. Twenty four year old high A prospect like Vaughn Brown. Yeah, that's a disaster. Yeah, it's not good. Um, For the Pat Bailey, how did Pat Bailey do this year? Not well, dude. Like this is so not. I, good. I recorded a whole solo episode. Like what the f is going on in in the giant system by myself one day. I was like, what am I going to talk about today? And I was just going through that, and I was like, holy crap. So talk about the fucking giants. <laughs> yeah. Like what is happening? Um, yeah. But a little bit on, on some of these other guys, Tristan Beck, great numbers in double as a right-handed pitching prospect, pitched 97 innings in triple and a five, six, four ERA. But as we know, brutal area to pitch four, two, eight fit. And, you know, the strikeout and walk ratio is pretty solid. It makes sense to stash that guy, given that, you know, he was pitching in a tough environment. You don't see any of these other guys. So this is where it's harder for me when it's like these these borderline quadruple A guys that, you know, got to try to dig deep on. Jose Cruz was interesting because he honestly is really far off. And I think just because of how good of an arm he is, they didn't want to risk it. <laughs> Listen to this. Jose Cruz, 86 Ks in 52 and a third innings in low A last year, 206 ERA. So I think they're just like, hey, let's not risk losing this guy with an electric fastball who's 22 years old. Talked about wisely. Don't have much on Keaton Wynn. Uh, so, again, it kind of says a lot about their system when these are the guys you're adding. But Keaton Wynn threw 30 innings in double A to a 4.15 ERA and struck out seven per nine. Gross. Yep. Seattle Mariners. They add Jonathan Class A, Prelander Baroa, and Cade Marlowe, as well as Isaiah Campbell, who I'm sure you love. They don't add Milkar Perez. Robert Perez Jr., who did impress me in the fall league, but no one's taking a chance on him. He's too far away. And they don't add Travis Kuhn. Jonathan Class A is just one of their better outfield prospects at this point. And and with all the trades that they've made, a lot of the prospects that they sent out were, were borderline, you know, are, were probably going to be Rule 5 eligible. Um, so it kind of saved them that that decision to have to make. And while they did deplete the farm system, it did allow them to have a little bit more flexibility to kind of stash guys that they probably would have had trouble trying to justify stashing. Um, And I think kind of class A fits that, that description. I was fascinated by the Isaiah Campbell addition because we know how talented he is, uh, but has struggled with injuries and, and really just, I would say that's the, the catalyst of his struggles has been injuries, but they felt as though a team may still take a chance on him because of how talented he is. Right, he was a dog. I mean, you got to remember 2019 Isaiah Campbell at Arkansas, right? Of course. 
like dog 12 and one two one three era my favorite thing uh 18 appearances 17 of which starts in 2018 as a junior at arkansas he threw 69 and two-thirds innings 18 appearances just under 70 innings next year 18 appearances 118 innings that's about seven innings per start every time he touched the ball you knew you were getting seven so this is a guy who's like you know, he, he is the classic, like, really good college arm. Is the stuff good enough to thrive at the major league level? Probably not, but, you know, it's kind of fun to, to see him added to to this 40-man. I think they feel like the stuff could be good in short spurts, and I think that's going to be what they try here is, is you, you know, think like a Justin Sheffield type thing? Maybe even short. Like, I, I think he could be a, a pretty electric reliever if, if, if they give him that opportunity. And I think they're going to now that they added him to the 40 man. He's a great athlete on the mound, man. And I think, I think they feel like they can, they can get him right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of role he carves out for himself. Cade Marlowe. Uh, lesser known name, but had a really good year last year overall and, and put up good numbers in the upper minors. So it's a guy that they could very easily stash. And then, Jonathan Class A is just one of their top prospects. He only played in low A. So that was just kind of just doing it just to do it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like if, if, if they had to add somebody, might as well add him. And then, you know, Burrow is pretty decent arm, but okay numbers in double A. Again, it was more just because the system is is so depleted. Uh, so they've just had more opp- opportunities to add guys that are not as exciting. <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals. They add Connor Thomas, Moises Gomez. They don't add goodness this, these are two names that are gonna be tough for me yeah. Inohan Paniagua Pinagua, you know yeah I, I'm not sure Dionese Rodriguez Connor Thomas was disgusting in the Arizona oh, Fall League I mean, he's probably the best pitcher in the Arizona Fall League he's sinker him. and breaking ball and even though it's in the upper 80s just touching 90 he makes it work and he is a he's a good pitcher gets ground balls he gets weak contact and gets more whiffs than you'd think because of the built-in deception they i think threw him out in the fall league to to solidify their decision i think at this point and he did everything he could possibly do to ensure himself a spot on the 40 man and then we know what moises gomez did last year uh, i ask you every week if you're sold on what moises gomez is doing i ask you at this point are you sold to any degree on what moises gomez did yes i got sold like end of august beginning of september <laughs> it took the whole year but i got sold nice um, um yeah. yeah, so Panagua um, was good. Sub three ERA, but that was between low and high A. Nobody's yeah. touching him. Um, Dionise Rodriguez had a four or five ERA and high A. Nobody's touching him. Connor Thomas is a guy that I, I think I told you about over the summer. I was like, I'm a big fan of this guy because he is he's everything that you love, right? Like he overcomes physical shortcomings. He's like a five ten, you know, stocky lefty that throws 90 to 92. But uh, if you get outs, you get outs. And, and Connor Thomas gets outs. He fills the strike zone. He does not miss spots. And I think that they might have saw a lot of Jose Quintana. In I was going to say, absolutely. I think that's what they saw. And he and, and like what better place to prove that like you can just get outs and 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 really not be susceptible to the long ball than the Arizona Fall League, right? And that's exactly what he did. But the, the amount of strikeouts he got really impressed me as well. So those were the two guys that made the most sense to add. And they didn't really have any other tough decisions. Most of their top, top, top prospects don't need to be added yet. They're going to have a bit of a crunch once all those 2020 draftees are ready to go. But here's the crazy part. They may beat the Rule 5 draft to the big leagues, and, and that's probably what's going to happen with most of those guys. Yes. Uh, another guy that is Rule 5 eligible is Luke and Baker. 
Oh yeah, he's been yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke and Baker is somebody that is MLB ready. What's he gonna do for a major league team that has yet to be determined? I bet he goes untouched because there is enough swing and miss to deter teams. There's not enough crazy juice, but obviously. Uh, if you are a fan of college baseball, um, you remember Luke and Baker, right? Gatorade National Player of the Year at TCU. He was just the the big motherfucker that just hit tanks yeah. at, at TCU for the Horned Frogs. But yeah, I mean, Luke and Baker is a guy that went unprotected. I don't think he gets touched. I, I do think he starts the year in Memphis next year. No, I, I agree. Um, we go to the Rays. They had Taj Bradley, Curtis Mead. Osavis Basabe, I can never say his name, Greg Jones, and Kobe White. And Kobe White is not a top 30 guy for them, but in their system, in their mind, I can promise you he is. He is gross. He's a right-handed pitching prospect who was out all year with an injury. He was unhittable in 2021. Fastball is one of the best you're going to find in the minor leagues. He's got to get the secondary pitches, you know, to that level, but he's 5'11. Fastball takes off. He's going to be another one of those raised data darlings. Left off, Herberto Hernandez, who I really still do like. I think he's just too far off, so they weren't worried about it. I think they're still, they still hold him in a high regard. He had a 136 WRC plus with 24 home runs, did strike out a lot in high A, so they're not worried about him being taken. Cameron Meisner. Part of the Joey Wendell deal, uh, outfielder, can play all three spots, great defender, walks with the best of them, whiffs with Alberto Hernandez and the best of them as well. Austin Shenton, third base prospect, who seemed like he was on his way to potentially being a guy that would be a no-brainer, you know, add to the 40 men a year ago, struggled this year in the upper minors a little bit more and doesn't get added. So, I mean, Greg Jones was probably one of the toughest decisions for them, but I think given his explosiveness, his athleticism, they they had to add him and 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 they still feel like he has a shot to be really good. Um I don't know if any of these guys are at major risk of being selected. And I feel like they traded the guys that were at the biggest risk of being selected uh, in this organization. I'd say Meisner is the only one with maybe an outside shot because of the defense and, and all three outfield ability, but I still doubt it. What team is Sam Hilliard on now? Sam Hilliard. Braves. He got traded. Braves. Braves. Yeah. Yeah. Like Cam Meisner is Sam Hilliard light, <laughs> right? Like with more good athlete. Good juice, a lot of swing and miss. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. But, you know, again, they kind of made their decisions already with the trades. Yeah, uh, I don't think they're, they're at risk to really lose anybody significant. No. And is Sam Hilliard light a guy that you're slapping on the 40 man? I don't think so. No, no. Um, but I do think Meisner could still blossom into a good piece. And um, I think he's in that perfect range where they didn't have to risk it. Texas Rangers, they had Owen White. Right-handed pitching prospects who I'm super high on. I think it's going to be a big part of next year for them. Luis Angel Acuna, who's far off, but you know the hype around him. Dustin Harris would have been one of the first names off the board if they didn't add him. Cole Wynn, Jonathan Ornelas, and Zach Kent. Uh, They don't add Antoine Kelly, who was acquired from the Brewers command issues, but left-handed pitching prospect who is nasty. I think Kelly's going to be gone. I really do. I think there's a good chance he could be gone. Uh, they don't add Avery Weems or Mason Englert. Now, I mean, all the guys that they added were kind of no-brainers to add. I don't think there was much of a decision to be made there on on really any of those guys. Um, the only one that came as a surprise to me was, was Antoine Kelly, and I can understand it because of his struggles. 
Zach Kent, by the way, if you're if you're like, oh, why'd they add Zach Kent instead of Antoine Kelly? Zach Kent, 27 innings uh, as a starter in AAA last year, a 1670 ERA. So I mean, this guy this guy can pitch, uh, and that was after some pretty good numbers and double. Antoine Kelly is the one guy that I think they're at risk of, of losing. I'm not sure how big of a risk they are because he he only I think he only had seven appearances in double A. Um, so it, it'll be a question as to like how ready he is. But I'm with you. He's got the chance to be a, a good starter at the major league level. And I think just with the fallback of the pen, right? Lefty, nasty stuff out of the pen. I think someone might draft and sash just because of the upside here. He's probably got as much upside as any rule of five eligible prospect uh, that, that you're going to see in this draft. We shall see. Toronto Blue Jays. They had Elvis Martinez, Yasver Zuleta, Zulueta, excuse me, Spencer Horwitz, no brainer, and Addison Barger, no brainer, and also Nathan Luke's outfielder. Uh, they do not add Gabriel Martinez, an outfielder, Alex DeJesus, third base, Tanner Morris, shortstop, Adrian Hernandez, right handed pitching prospect, and Alejandro Melin, a right handed pitching prospect. Uh, pretty much no brainers. Horwitz. Just has raked really at every stop. Barger was one of the best breakout candidate or breakout hitters last year. I don't love War Elvis, but obviously you're protecting that guy. And, and Zuleta had a great year, has turned into one of their best pitching prospects as well. Most of the other guys are too far off, so I, I don't think there was you know much really many tough decisions to be made for for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, I mean, oh no, like top ten prospect unprotected in the Rule Five. Uh, Gabriel Martinez split the year between low A and high A. He's he's yeah. not going anywhere. Not going anywhere. Washington Nationals, final team here. <laughs> they add Jeremy De La Rosa, who I actually really like. He's far off, but a good prospect. They had the spot, Adam. Jackson Rutledge, far off, but you're optically, you can't un, like, not protect Jackson Rutledge. I don't even know if a team would have taken him. I think a team probably would have taken a flyer because he's such a, a specimen physically. But that was more of, I think, an optics move. Uh, Jose Ferrer, uh, left-handed pitching prospects. Matt Cronin, left-handed pitching prospect added. And then two non-top 30 guys. Jake Alou, who we've talked about. He gets added. Great year in the upper minors last year. Really started to tap into more power. And Jake Irvin, right-handed pitching prospect. Out of their top 30, they don't add Aldo Ramirez and Drew Millis, a catching prospect and a right-handed pitching prospect. Ramirez, the pitcher. Millis, the catcher. You see a lot of these guys. I mean, do you have much on Aldo Ramirez? I don't have much on Aldo Ramirez. Uh, a little bit on Millis. Um, he is, he, he's got the chance to be a big league backup catcher, I do think. Um, but I mean, I, I think number 30 in the Nat system is very indicative of what he is. Like, I don't think there's much sex appeal here when it comes to the rule five. So I, I don't think Millis is going anywhere. Um, love the Jake Alou ad. I, you know, yeah. we, we both really enjoy him and he's a great guy too. So um, big fan of Alou. This, this guy's grinded after being, I think it was like a 20th round pick at a BC. Um, so, you know, a, good for Jake Alou. And then Rutledge. I really like Rutledge. Great makeup. A, Excellent, excellent, excellent work ethic. I mean, this guy, I saw him in his professional debut in, in Auburn, New York, um, after coming out of San Jack. And like this guy just, he works differently than everybody else. I like, want him to be so bad. I want him to be good so bad. Here's the thing about Rutledge. Like the starter train has probably left the station. He's wow, probably already starting. You're, you're, the, the, you're already saying that the, the train's gone. I think it's gone. I but I think he's got the chance to be a really good setup guy. Do think so? The Nat, it's just a weird continued 
trend of injuries through the national system and every pitcher gets hurt at some point, but it's like the, the recurring injuries that you're no, seeing. Dude, you remember some... fucking Denneberg? I, I think Denneberg's out of baseball right now. Mason. Denneberg. Is he really? I think I'll tell you no right way. Um, I want to throw some, a little bit more respect as we close out this episode on Jake Alou's name, 24th round pick. Uh, you were close. What he did between double A AA and triple A last year was spectacular 299 365 506 slash line 132 wrc plus 18 percent k rate 20 homers 15 bags this guy was awesome yeah he was great um denneberg 13 starts in low a this year as a 22 year old 13 starts spanning 39 innings had an era over four 38 punch outs 24 walks and 39 innings nice Mason Denneberg, the first round pick of the Nats in 2018. Yeah, they, um, no, but I love Jake Alou. Man. Uh, so what, what do they do? What are they, the, the Nationals have done some bru- like their best draft picks are the ones where they went one one, <laughs> like and just yeah. couldn't mess it up yeah, with it was the generational talent. Yes. Yeah, Seth Romero, like what? I was thinking about that the other day because this obviously second DWI in one year and and he gets released. You're going to use a first round pick. I know he was a top 10 talent, a first round pick on a guy that was suspended in def- like suspended twice for conduct de- detrimental to the team in Houston. And then as a college pitcher and then just kicked off the team, like imagine being a top 10 pick and kicked off the team. You know how much of an asshole you have to be to be that good and get kicked yeah. off the team. Like yeah. color me shocked that it didn't work out. Um, let's work. Was- let's work backwards here. Um, Brady house, um, Last year's first round. Who was this year's first round pick for them? Elijah uh, Green. I actually like that one. I love I like Elijah the, Green. He fell in their lap again, though. Like this was a potential one-one yeah. guy, not too far before the draft. With concerns, dropped him a little bit. Like no-brainer pick there. Yeah, Brady House eleventh. Do we like Brady House? I, I think it's still too early, but he it looks like he is not on the same level as the guys that were drafted in his range. Cavalli in twenty twenty. Uh, I like it. Right, he's days. just under the injury umbrella yeah. as well. Before that, Rutledge, Denneberg, Seth Romero. Uh, we just talked about those guys. Dane Dunning and Carter Keyboom were their first round picks in 2016. Uh, Eric Fetty in 2014. Giolito in 2012. He was not good at all for them. Uh, Brian Goodwin in 2011. And then yeah, I gotta that, I, I I gotta write this up. I gotta that might yeah. be my my next piece is what the hell are the Nationals doing with their drafts? <laughs> 20, 2009, it was Strasburg, and then Drew Storen, 10th. And then 2010, it was Harper. And then 2011, it was Rendon, 6th. That's insane. That is insane. Well, Jake Alou might bail them out. Um, so, might, yeah. As, oh, as gosh. Round pick. Oh, man. Uh, well, that'll do it for our Rule 5 kind of 40-man recap here. Um we will have, as we continue to compile the names and put together our top rule five draft prospects uh, together, that'll be an article and, and we'll kind of fly through in ranking the top rule five prospects for us as we get closer to that draft. Another top 10 farm system rundown next week. It's either going to be the Cubs or the Guardians or some one of those systems. I'll be writing up and we'll have an episode for that next week as well. And hopefully another interview to go with that. Any final thoughts, Jack? Uh, I don't think so. Blake Sable is going to be really good for a team that isn't the Pittsburgh Pirates, I assume. (laughs) I, I agree with that, most likely. That'll do it. Hope you have a great weekend, and we will talk to you about prospects. Oh, one more from Jack. What?
One last thing. Uh, twins uniform reveal. They are very, very average. Incredibly wow. average. <laughs> Bad appeal. Yeah. Twin Cities. I, that's so surprising that they went with that one. Incredibly average. Yeah. All right. Well, enjoy those jerseys. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll talk to you about prospects next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.